0: Good evening. Today is March 8th, 2022, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is Into Action, Step 10, and our speaker tonight is Dawn A.B. Thank you, Dawn A.B.
1: Thank you. Very
2: good. Well, it is wonderful to be here with you this evening. And it is just a great privilege to uh, to be here. So I'll give you just a little bit of background. I started in Overeaters Anonymous back in the late 1970s, if you can believe that. Many of you were not even born yet in the late 1970s. I came in when I was 18 years old. Uh, What happened was somebody came over to our, the college that I was going to a doctor came over from Mayo Clinic and he worked with people with obesity issues, uh, and other, you know, eating disorder issues. And, um, somebody asked him in the question answer section, uh, you know, what is the best diet out there? What's the best plan for losing weight? Uh, and, and, And he thought, and he said, well, for the long haul, you know, for the lifetime, I would say Overeaters Anonymous. And I said, that is for me. I have no idea what it is. I've never heard that word before, but that is for me. And so that is what, um, so I found a meeting uh, after that time and uh, started going again. I was 18 years old, uh, had just started my Um, outrageous behavior really in this disease. I started uh, breaking into the cafeteria after it was closed to steal food. Uh, And I'm not somebody who normally would break, do breaking and entering. That's usually not my, you know, something that I was involved in, but with food, it's just like, I lost all, you know, I was stealing from the job where I was working Got fired from that job. They put me in another job. I was stealing from that job. I was stealing food, um, you know, and I'm just not the type of person that would normally do that. Um, but yeah, it just really, and I do remember uh, oftentimes I would be hiding down at the uh, candy bar machine. I would be hiding behind the candy, candy bar machine because I was making so many trips down to it in my dorm room that it got embarrassing. So I would just hang out behind the candy bar machine and this particular candy bar machine had legs on it at the time. So if anybody had dropped their change and they lean over to pick it up, they would see my legs standing behind the candy bar machine, you know, hiding there in the dark. Um, yeah, it was, uh, And I remember gaining so much weight I would only allow myself to wear the only pair of clothes that would fit me was these large bib overalls and so I would wear that day after day week after week just the same clothing to try to punish myself to get myself to lose weight you know bless my heart Uh, so anyway so I am also one of the slowest learners you'll ever come across in the program So it took me almost 35 years in the rooms. Although I must admit some of those years, the only one who knew I was a member of Overeaters Anonymous was me. I will tell you that. Um, But it took me almost 35 years in the program before I was able to get abstinent more than three days here, seven days there, 21 days, once or twice and almost 35 years. So, Uh, delusional thinking, half measures, you know, if there was a doctoral uh, certificate in that, in Overeaters Anonymous, in delusional thinking, half measures and failure, I would probably have that uh, after 35 years of absolute failure uh, in the program. But what finally happened, and I do mean finally, um, and this was 10 years ago, I finally realized to the absolute core of my being that I am going to die in my disease, that there's nothing ahead for me, but a lot more pain, a lot more unnecessary suffering and an early death, or I need to put down the food and grab hold of this program with all the enthusiasm that a drowning person grabs a life preserver and work this program. Like my life depends on it because it absolutely does. And, uh, that is what I did. And so I just started to, uh, You know, hook myself up to an IV of recovery voices. I started, you know, listening to as as many um, recordings of meetings as I could, going to as many meetings as I could. I dove into the literature. I was studying it during my free time. That was my replacement behavior. Instead of, you know, eating, compulsive overeating, I had a lot of time on my hands. So I would be ripping through the literature and taking notes and making phone calls. And I got abstinent. Um, and that was 10 years ago. I am down and you can put the photo on now, if you'd like my picture. Uh, I'm down over a hundred and I don't know how much weight, uh, this isn't actually my top weight. That's me standing there with my son. Um, but, uh, Anyway, I'm down at least 120 pounds. I don't really know. Like I said, I stopped weighing myself, but right now I'm at a normal BMI. Uh, I have, I don't have to lose any more weight. I am, and have been maintaining uh, now. And the miracle of this is, is that I'm abstaining and doing so happily. I'm not white knuckling it. The food doesn't call to me. It's not a struggle. And I simply never, ever would have believed that would ever be possible for me not to be white knuckling it, for it not to be a pain, for it not to be a struggle, but it absolutely is a beautiful thing, uh, one day at a time. And it's an absolute miracle and a gift of God. So I'm also a mother. I have, uh, four young adult children, three of those children. My youngest is 19. My oldest is 28. Uh, My three oldest children have autism and uh, one of them is very, very severe. Two others are very significantly affected as well. Um, The two with higher functioning uh, also have mental illness. They have schizoaffective disorder. Um, My husband is a uh, cancer survivor he has ongoing health issues, um, so he's, you know, lost tons of weight. He's uh, kind of looks like a skeleton. He's, um, you know, very weak, difficult to stand. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that I am absolutely living a life beyond my wildest dreams not because my circumstances have changed, but because my attitude about my circumstances has been transformed by the working of the steps. I am living my life, a life beyond my wildest dreams. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. This program has truly, absolutely changed my life. And a big part of that is step 10, a major part. What happened to me was uh, I was abstinent for six years and I went to this workshop and Harlan G, I don't know if you've ever heard him speak, but he was speaking and um, Harlan said something about, he was talking about the fourth step and, you know, traumas, we can't get past and whatever else. And I just started crying uncontrollably and I'm like, what is the deal? You know, I was like using my shirt, you know, just getting the tears, whatever. I just could not stop crying. And I thought, what in the world is going on? I thought, well, I must need to do the steps again. He said something about vision for you. I'd never heard that meeting, um, but I started going right away. I got a sponsor right away. I started, uh, you know, working the steps like like my hair's on fire uh, like, you know, I learned to do now. And, um, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. I would already been abstinent, but it was, I had a transformation in emotional sobriety and it was just a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. So, um, so, and what I, what I learned then, and that's been four years from now, since I started, um, you know, I went through the steps again, started listening to vision for you. I highly recommend that meeting. If you haven't ever been on, it's just fantastic. There's so much recovery there. It's just alive with recovery. Um, So anyway, so I learned how to do a 10 step. And that has brought about, you know, how you have like a a buildup of normal human emotions. It's kind of like a balloon. You think of a balloon, you know, the tension expanding, expanding and Um, and then a 10th step is like taking a pin to that balloon and poof, my emotionally, emotional sobriety is restored. It is the biggest, most amazing gift, buried treasure in these steps that I never realized that was there, a 10th step. So let's go ahead and look at page 84. Uh, how much time do I have left? Eight minutes. Thank you so much. All right, so let's go ahead and look at page 84. This thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So continue means that I'm basically, I learned how to do a 10th step in the fourth step that I did. And so for me personally, I do pull out my uh, four-step forms and just fill those out. I fill out a resentment form and I fill out a fear form. And, uh, and then just read those as part of my 10th step. And I oftentimes will go ahead and write it out. Sometimes I don't, you know, but it's just such a beautiful, just an amazing gift. So uh, we vigorously commenced this way of living. So this is telling me that vigorously I must work at this. This is something that I am really going to be working at. And I have since made a commitment to do a 10th step essentially on a daily basis. So, um, so I, I really try to practice vigorously commence this way of living. So this is a way of life. It just, isn't something we never do. I never did a 10 step. I mean, I rarely, maybe I could count on two fingers in those six years, how many times I did a 10 step. I personally don't know how I survived and was able to maintain abstinence without doing a 10 step. Now it's like, I can't imagine going, uh, you know, a couple weeks without doing one. I can't imagine that. Um, we vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit. Now that's really a beautiful thing. Entered the world of the spirit. So now I'm living in that dimension where my higher power is in charge and running the show. And when I came into program, I thought I'm in charge. I I didn't realize it at the time. But if you think of a solar system, you know, with the sun in the middle and the planets revolving around the sun. Well, I came into program thinking and still left to my own devices. I go back to that. But thinking that I'm in that middle position and everything is supposed to revolve around me when really what I've learned through the big book uh, and program is that no, actually, sweetheart, Donnie. Your, uh, your higher power is in the center. And everything is to revolve around your higher power. And that is the new way of life that I'm to be practicing uh, on a daily basis. And so I've entered the world of the spirit, meaning my higher power, this, this is the world that I've entered because I have gone through the steps and had that transformation that spiritual awakening, that spiritual experience. Now my higher power is in charge and running the show. However, I understand my higher power. And our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. And I must say, I have learned so much about myself uh, and why I do what I do because of 10 steps. There's just so much learning involved there. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. So this is something I'm going to be working at. Uh, When you're not, when I'm not running the universe, I have a lot of free time on my hands. So this is what I'm to be doing with all that free time is I'm to be looking at what is, and I mean, anything that causes an emotional ripple. You think of a pond, you know, all tranquil. Anything that causes uh, a ripples, you know, disturbs that emotional tranquility is something to do a 10 step on. It can be a fear. It can be a resentment. It can be something I'm ticked off at. It can be an idea that I don't like. It can be, I've done it on recently on, I, I don't like how old I look in family photos. I've done it on my perfectionism. I've done it on a financial insecurity. You can do it on anything anything, any fear, any emotional disturbance is a 10th step. Okay. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. And when I first read this, uh, before, before I thought, well, I'm not selfish, you know what, but that's the whole, uh, I'm selfish. Anytime I'm trying to run the show, anytime I think I know better, Than my husband's higher power, how he needs to be acting. Or anytime I think I know what my daughter needs to be doing, you know, and she's not doing it, or my friend needs to be doing something else in in her life and she's not doing it. Anytime I think I know better than God how life needs to be going, uh, that is me being selfish and self-centered. When I'm trying to run the show, I'm trying to control the universe. When really I need to stay inside my hula hoop My hula hoop is, is my, uh, you know, the circular thing going around me. That's the only circular thing going around me that I have, uh, you know, control over and I need to stay in that hula hoop dishonesty. Well, I'm like I'm not a dishonest person. I mean, but dishonesty is anything, anytime I'm telling myself something that's not true. So if I'm telling myself, that I have no choice. I have to be upset over this. That's dishonest because I do have a choice. I don't need to be upset. My, my response and my attitude to life is 100% my choice, my responsibility and my free will. I'm being dishonest whenever I'm telling myself things that aren't true. Uh, like I'll make something mean that uh, something happens. Uh, you know, our neighbors were making noise and, um, I made it mean that my husband doesn't care about me. That's what I told myself about it. When and then I pause and I ask my higher power for the truth, and I say, "No, you know, when, if I ask my higher power for the truth, the truth is is that no, my husband really does love me and care about me. He just reacts differently when he's startled awake in the middle of the night. You know, I'm like, go over there and bang on their door and tell him to stop. And he's like, just forget it, just calm, it's nothing, just let it go, you know, uh, that kind of thing." So I'm dishonest anytime I'm telling myself something that's not true. Resentment, uh, you know, any anger, anything I don't like about life and fear when these crop up. So it's not being surprised here. It's saying when these crop up. So it's assuming that we're going to be human beings and we're going to have these issues. We ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately. And we make amends quickly if we harmed anyone. So that's what I do. I exchange a 10-step with a fellow, you know, on a daily basis. And you don't need to do it on a daily basis. You can, but um, that's what I have chosen to do. Uh, And so, yes, discussing it over with someone. And there's something really amazingly wonderful about sharing it with somebody else. You know, just that vulnerability. And then it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, And then also when people share their 10 steps with me, I learn things from how, what they're learning. And it's just a beautiful thing. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we could help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. So, um, and then it says we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. So that is the state that I am put in as a result of working these steps. I am in a state of peace of mind regardless of circumstances and for me let me tell you in my life this is priceless for me to be able to whatever is disturbing me whatever is bothering me for me to do a 10 step and to be restored to that emotional sanity that emotional sobriety regardless of circumstances so what this offers me is peace of mind that is not dependent upon circumstances going the way i think they need to go it restores me to Thank you. It restores me to my higher power is running the show. My higher power is in charge so I can relax. I don't have to try to get things to be the way I have already made up in my mind. I think I know better than God how life needs to be happening and this should not be happening. You know, I can let that go in a 10 step and get my mind back in line with what it says on page 85 is one of the most important paragraphs. I think um, it's the first full paragraph on page 85, where it says every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. So no, it's no longer me trying to force my will, me trying to play the higher power. I used to introduce myself as hello, my name is Dawn and I'm a recovering higher power, you know, cause it's the truth. I was trying to run the show, but Clearly, program is telling me every day is a day when I must carry the vision of God's will into all my activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with me constantly. So this is my job. When I'm not running the universe, I have all kinds of time on my my hands, and this is what I'm to be doing. I'm to be pausing. I'm to be pausing and asking God, asking my higher power. God, how would you have me handle this one? What would you have me say here? Thinking of God as my director. What would you have me say here, God? Please help me to see this situation more like you see it. How would you have me act in this situation? What would you have me, uh, please help me to see this person more like you see them. Help me to love them as you would delight in me loving them. You know, your will be done, God, not mine. So it's just a beautiful way to live, and I'm just so grateful for it, and thank you so much for allowing me to come here and to uh, share on Step 10 with you. It is a treasure. It's a treasure uh, of this program, and this truly is a, uh, a program that teaches me a way of experiencing peace that is not dependent upon circumstances going the way, you know, I think they need to go. It's peace that is, is not dependent on circumstances, which is an amazing, miraculous thing. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here.
0: Thank you so much, Dawn. That was wonderful, thank you. We will now open the meeting for questions or three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep track of, keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share, or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. With the timekeeper, please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. If the speaker has asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. First
3: we have Gianna C. Hi, I'm Gianna, compulsive overeater and bulimic. Um, oh my goodness, Dawn, I feel so blessed to have listened to your share. You honestly are so inspiring and just thank you for giving that to us. I, You made me realize just how important 10 steps are and how much I forgot that. Um, so I have a question. So. Um, I, I mean, before program and also still now I have a issue with like not feeling my feelings and pushing them away. Um, and I have trouble with like, for example, I just got bad news from a doctor. Um, and I want to feel the feelings, but also accept, like you know, acceptance it's God's will. It's not mine. I am not in control. Like how do I do those two things together? If that makes sense, like, you know, acknowledge the feelings that, Hey, I'm sad about it, but also acknowledge, you know, I am not in control. If that makes any sense. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. I thank you so much for that beautiful question. I can tell you what I do. Uh, I do something it's called the welcoming prayer. And basically what it is, is you just, I just uh, close, I, you don't need to close your eyes, but I close my eyes and I just do a body scan, a quick body scan. They say the issues are in our tissues. So oftentimes I'm holding that feeling somewhere in my body. Oftentimes it's my heart or my gut, but it can be anywhere. It can be at our necks, our shoulder, whatever. You just do a body scan and you go to that place in your body where you're feeling that tenseness. And then you say, you relax and you say, welcome, welcome. And you relax into it like you would a warm jacuzzi. And you just relax. And, and you don't push the feeling away. You don't resist it. You just welcome it. Welcome. And you relax. And then you say, I let go of my desire for security, affection, control, and embrace this moment as it is. Welcome, welcome. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, again, you just do a quick body scan. You find where it is in your body, where you're holding on to that. It's, you know, when we resist what we're feeling, we resist it, that we hold on to it, we store it in our body somewhere. And so you go there, you find it, and you just relax like you would into a warm jacuzzi just relax and you say welcome welcome and then you say i let go of my desire for security affection control and embrace this moment as it is welcome welcome And I can sometimes even like visualize myself just, you know, wherever it's in my body, just visualize it floating out of my body, being released uh, and turning it over to my higher power. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful practice. It's called the welcoming prayer. Thank you so much.
1: Wow. Thank you so
2: much. Um, That was an amazing answer. Um, Next, we'll have Krista in Chicago
1: and then Amy L.
4: Hi, um, Krista, compulsive reader, um, from Chicago. Oh, Dawn, that was just like, so good. (laughs) Oh man. I just loved that. Thank you so much for your share. Um, God, that was just like a wake up call because what you said, especially about, um, it wasn't your circumstances that changed. It was your attitude. And then you mentioned that you, you know, have three children with autism and then your husband is a cancer survivor. I, I work with kids with autism and they're on, you know, varying degrees, um, of severity, but I, I've never had a child with autism. Like I get, you know, I send them home at the end of the day and I can only imagine like what that's like. Um, you are just amazing. <laughs> um, today, I was—I I noticed this pattern in my thinking of where um, I have something frustrating happen at work. You know, as will happen when you work with children, let alone like children on the spectrum. Um, and immediately, my mind will go to—I hate this job. <laughs> like, I have to quit. I have to get a new job. This sucks. And then that will usually quickly be followed by a craving, um, for something. And what you just said, like, was just really a good reminder. Like, it's not for God's sakes. It's not about me. Like, there's a reason that I'm at this job right now. It's, it doesn't, maybe it won't be my job forever, but you know, I'm being of service to humans and like, that's actually quite a privilege in this world. Um, And I don't know, I just needed that reminder. So thank you so much for your share. Um, And I just appreciate you a lot and I will pass.
1: All right, Amy L. Thank you so much, Krista. Hi everyone, Amy L. here. Recovered in California from compulsive eating, exercise bulimia one day at a time. And thank you, thank you, Don. Um, I you you've always been special to me, and when you read the um, love and tolerance is our code, um, I have truly appreciated over the years that gift from you. And um, I just wanted to share on the tenth step. Um, and, and the connection with the 11th step too, which I know we're going to hear about next week. But for me, I, you know, I'll, I'll give an example because sometimes that speaks louder than words. Um, this morning I was sitting in meditation and I was very aware of like uh, just so much sadness coming up. And I'll often feel that in my body and I love the welcoming prayer and I do try to open to that and whatever is, because I feel God is in the here and now, and God is in what is in reality. And I was, it was amazing. I got in a flash an awareness that I had totally pushed under. And, you know, that whole idea that which we resist persists. And it is, you know, the issues are in our tissues. And for me, um, it, it kind of blew me away that it had totally missed my radar. It was only in this practice of of prayer and meditation that it bubbled up. And I realized that I had been dishonest about something. It, and, you know, there's an expression somewhere in um, one of the early Books, Alcoholics Comes of Age, where Dr. Harry Tebu says the ego has amazing recuperative powers. And I think of that a lot because my ego revives every day. (laughs) And one of my old, old ways of being is to lie and to embellish things. And it's my own insecurity, my own like deep you know, primitive feelings of inadequacy and it's completely unnecessary and it creates a wall. And I did it with my husband over something so silly, but I'm just going to say, I told him that I had one more client than I actually had. Does he care? No, somehow it meant something to me and I projected on him. And that's what I do when I'm in myself, in the bondage of self. And so I was able to write it out in my 10th step. I'm doing the 10th step train, um, which Don knows so well. That's time. And um, just want to say thank you. Um, just so grateful to, ha- to get the turnaround from God. How does God want me to be? And that's when I get the relief. So thank you, everyone. And thank you so much, Dawn.
0: Okay. um, I think we should stop there. We will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. Would the Zoom host please stop the recording?